from AI and deep learning to cybersecurity and IoT, keeping up with technology can be challenging. Our podcast is not just about helping you keep up. We're inviting you to the precipice of what we now know is possible. Join us as we interview industry luminaries and trailblazers to hear how they're leveraging technology, navigating the pitfalls, and predicting the future. Together, we'll explore today's most timely topics, combining human imagination and intelligent technologies to discover new solutions. I am happy to introduce my co-host, Mr. James Marcella, security expert and industry association leader. And it's a pleasure to introduce Scott Dunn, technology innovator and award-winning speaker. And this is Connect, a bi-monthly podcast from Axis Communications. We're pleased to welcome Dr. Stacy Hall to Connect. Stacy, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, James. And thanks to Axis for hosting this uh, podcast and giving me an opportunity to discuss the NCS4 and our uh, operations. As you mentioned, my name is Stacy Hall. I'm the executive director uh, at the NCS4, the National Center for Spectator Sports Safety and Security. And I'm also a full professor uh, of sport management. I have been the executive director for just over three years now. However, I'm not I'm not new to NCS4. I, I was part of the team that helped create the center back in 2006. So I served as the associate director since, since its inception in 06 till around 2013-2014 when uh, I did pursue other leadership opportunities on the campus at the University of Southern Mississippi where the center is, is located. Uh, but really fortunate to get an opportunity to return to the center and Lead, lead our efforts. Uh, besides overseeing the operations of the center on a daily basis, I continue to teach and conduct research and um, fulfill service uh, obligations. Sounds like uh, you've you've got a full plate. And so, so, 2006, you were instrumental and you helped get this started. This is, in a way, coming home almost, right? Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't on the courts. I was serving as the uh, associate dean over at College of Business, thinking I was going to be uh, a dean of a business school. That was my next step in my career. But, uh, you know, these things happen. Of, of course, I mean, my passion has been sports security uh, from, from the beginning. Never really distracted from that. Continued to teach and conduct research uh, in this area. So it, it really was a, a homecoming and very thankful again to be able to lead, lead our efforts. Um, you know, the mission of NCS4 since since the beginning has to, has been to support uh, the sport and entertainment industries through uh, training, education, research, and, and outreach and if, initiatives. And you know, our mission has never wavered over the past was it seventeen years uh, or so now. Um, our business is training and education, essentially, and providing resources to each of our um, stakeholder. Uh, groups. Uh, our flagship program uh, is the Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Emergency Management Agency training program. And okay. our DHS FEMA training program includes seven different courses that we offer uh, in our catalog. And you know, it covers topics, um, our courses cover topics such as risk management, evacuation management, incident management crisis communications, and uh, crime management. Uh, it's a huge operation. Uh, whole goal is for them to 
engage with each other, um, increase that collaboration, um, know what plans and policies need to be in place uh, for different events that may be uh, occurring at their location. And, and these events range in size. They can be large-scale events, or sure. they could be the local uh, 5K or parade uh, in, in the city. So we, we do take all of that into consider when we're training these different teams, um, the audiences, as well as the different types of events that they may be preparing for. Right, right. It's interesting because I uh, always thought of NCS4 as, as you know, um, providing security and best practices and education with for very large venues and stadiums. Um, but clearly what you're teaching is applicable to, like you said, a, a 5K run or, or could be a high school um, sporting event all the way up to the Super Bowl, I guess. That's absolutely true. We t- we, we've trained teams that have worked Super Bowl events and we've trained the local uh, local town, towns and cities that uh, are hosting the smaller uh, types of um, smaller types of uh, events. So we have those in-person trainings, but we also offer e-learning courses as well. And that really was something that we developed during COVID uh, when in-person training wasn't uh, wasn't a possibility. Sure, I, I can imagine that any educational institution is, has invested. Uh in online learning over the last three or four years for certain. Um, so uh, you, you mentioned your education um, that you deliver. Uh, what's, who's your typical student? Is this uh, security practitioners uh, at venues? You also mentioned cities. I know there's overlap there, um, but tell us yeah. a little bit about your typical student. Right. Uh, so the multi-agency teams typically that um, are involved in planning, preparing for events, uh, that would include, obviously, venue and event managers. Um, it would be your local police, local fire hazmat, uh, local emergency management director. Uh, it could include uh, public health reps. It could include other state and federal uh, representatives, uh, again, depending on what they're, what type of event they're uh, preparing for. That's great. Um so I, I did a little reading uh, uh, on you, and I uh, read that you played soccer, or, or we should actually say football, right? Um, so both for Southern Miss, uh, but you were also on the Northern Ireland international team. That's right. Yes, okay. I was a long, many moons ago. I, re- I retired in 2008 from the national team as the captain of the team that year. Um, but, you know, it, it gave me a good perspective in, in the sense that you know, as an athlete, you're not really thinking what's happening on the other side of the lines or behind, sure. behind the scenes. And I never really did expose until like I, I got into this uh, right. particular area. But because I had a passion for sports and a passion for soccer, it was really a, a crossroads at the time I was uh, considering my dissertation topic. Uh, being from Northern Ireland, uh, Europe, where they how they experienced horrific tragedies such as the Hillsborough disaster, uh, the cry crush, and uh, those different disasters had really prompted the government bodies to step up and enact safety legislation and make sure venues were a lot safer. And, and that really was my research for my dissertation on what, what, what were those baseline standards. And it just kind of had a ripple, ripple effect. Uh, from, 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 from there, the outcomes of some of that research really helped us get our first DHS FEMA uh, grant to develop that first risk management course. And it's just kind of blossomed um, from that. 
So let me ask you, were you concerned when you saw the baseline uh, or were, uh, you know, was, was there a spectrum there or was it? There absolutely was. I mean, uh, it, it, there's going to be a range uh, from Division One, Two II, and Three. And you're talking about different conferences now, but I, I've seen a, a huge, um, huge progress over the last, you know, 15 years or so. Uh, I think colleges realize, uh, just like their professional counterparts, that um, they 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 do need to focus uh, in and, and zoom in on on safety and security operations for um, all of their sporting events, not just the major sports events like uh, yeah. football and uh, basketball. Let's just say, yeah. Um, so again, we'll we'll go back. You were you were involved with the creation of NCS four. Um, what are the some ways that it's evolved? Yeah, yeah, I had mentioned earlier, our mission has pretty much, you know, it's remained the same. Um, although yeah. threats have evolved, uh, you know, when we got started, we were not too far removed from uh, 9-11. And that's when DHS FEMA were allocating uh, a lot of funding for uh, anti-terrorism programs and services. But uh, as, we've, um, as we've progressed uh, on the training, we 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 really ensure that we're trying to tackle all different types of hazards and threats. Terrorism still remains uh, a threat, domestic plus international, but the methods of attack have uh, evolved and we're seeing other emerging threats. Um, Cybercrime obviously has been a big one the last few years. Um, drone intrusion, uh, vehicle yeah. uh, intrusion. Uh, uh, there's been an uptick in the number of active shooters, uh, unfortunately. Um, we have insider threats, and also um, with with the civil unrest, for could have potentially dealing with protests, and some are spontaneous, some, and some are uh, organized, but they, they could also be occurring in the vicinity of a sports venue or event, which needs to be considered um, when when planning for that. You just. Um rattled off a, a, or listed off a handful of, of different threats. Is there any that has, um, you know, from a trending perspective, uh, going in this case, the wrong direction, in other words, you're seeing more of this one particular threat over another, or have they stayed relatively the same over the years? I think cybercrime, uh, especially during COVID, the, the number of incidents of cybercrime increased over 300%. Um, I drone intrusion uh, is is also a problem right now, and uh, a lot of venue that managers are trying to figure out with their local public safety agencies how to counter uh, drone uh, attacks. And, and, and I don't think we've we focused enough attention on yet is human trafficking, um, and that is becoming coming to light more and more that incidents of human trafficking are occurring at major sport events. Um, right. Uh, specifically, like the mega events such as the Olympics and you know FIFA World Cups and Super Bowls, uh, events of that nature. So that's happening adjacent to these major events, correct? Yes. Is that what you're? Yeah. So yeah. does NCS four extend even that far out to uh, you know adjacent crime activity and threat mitigation? Well, the key for us is to uh, educate. The venue professionals, facility managers, the frontline staff—that these such acts could be occurring. What what's the suspicious behaviors? What are the things you need to be looking out for, and how do you report? 
that. So as we see these different types of issues come to light or challenges, we make sure that we get the right people to discuss uh, those uh, issues and share uh, the, you know, the do's and don'ts. And uh, again, making sure that we are connecting with the, the, the experts and leveraging their expertise to help train and educate our stakeholder groups. All right, let's um, let's change lenses a little bit here, and let's let's uh, think about uh, protecting a, a stadium, um, and not necessarily define the size of that stadium or not. But from a technology perspective, um, in your professional opinion. What are the technologies that most instrumental in protecting players, fans, and what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think patron screening, access control, and closed circuit television. Uh, patron screening, um, that, that's your, not exactly your first line of defense, but the goal is that you're trying to prevent bad actors from entering uh, your your stadium or arena. Um, so there's different types of, of patron screening, whether it's walkthrough or touchless, whatever a security wand, whatever it may be. Uh, but but that's really important that uh, the screening is taken seriously and that we are uh, making sure that no bad actors uh, are entering the venue, uh, venue space. Um, you know, access control, access control to various parts of the, the stadium itself. Um, obviously, changing rooms, locker rooms, presidential suites, things of that nature. You're going yeah. to have, uh, you know, uh, credentials for all those different spaces and to make sure it is controlled. Um, the credentials are being updated and they're legitimate and they're not being shared. Um uh, to ensure that again nobody is getting close to players or executives, um, and then you know CCTV is definitely um, monitoring. That's definitely an important part of the command center. Uh, folks that are monitoring the crowds for any different types of incidents or suspicious behavior. Well, I can assure you, access control is working because I've never gotten to get into a presidential suite or any box seat. I'm always in the cheap seats, so um, it's working very well for that. Um, so uh, you mentioned um, with video surveillance uh, or closed circuit TV. Um, I'm interested to hear and uh, both excited to hear that monitoring comes first, which is you have people actively or um, or maybe even uh, algorithms actively you know, monitoring video to, to be proactive, it sounds like. Is that safe to say? Or No, absolutely. Um, you're, you're on me. Some video surveillance will let you know of suspicious behavior or if you're, you're trying to definitely detect problems, whether it's disgruntled fans, uh, uh, there's, you know, fan violence is a, is a problem. Uh, it's well noted. Um um, so being able to identify those issues and being able to um, engage with, with, with those uh, groups before things can escalate is really important in the communication with the staff that are on scene. Uh, and again, just, just effective response and preventing escalation of incidents can, can uh, lower the chance of harm. Right, right. And potentially, you know, afterwards, 
leveraging that that video from a forensic perspective if if need be hopefully it doesn't get to that point right right yeah. and hopefully uh you know if somebody needs to get ejected uh they're ejected <laughs> on site rather than okay we need to find this individual uh that was the perpetrator uh on and ban them from future events certainly yeah uh so another thing um looking at ncs4's uh website you you know you really look at and you you cite both sports and entertainment as industries, um, as constituents that you work with. Uh, you know, in what ways do those differ between, let's say, a concert uh, versus, you know, a football game? Yeah. Okay. So we've, we've, we're starting to see more of this intersection between sports and entertainment um, events uh, because venues nowadays, very few are single-purpose venues. They're more multi purpose obviously operations they want to increase revenue streams and get as many events in that space as possible uh with sports um that sports are entertainment events like a concert you give an example you're you're always going to consider you're always going to do your risk assessment beforehand and you want to consider your crowd demographics all right who are these people coming to our venue? you know if you're going to have a major rivalry uh sporting event you know you know what you need to expect what type of concert are you hosting? Uh, is it um, uh, is it the opera versus a heavy metal rock band? Uh, you know, you, so you kind of know your your demographics, your customer profile coming into those different types of events. Uh, you know the number of folks that are coming into your capacity. So you're you're having to ensure that you're uh, you've done the the math and and the expected crowd, and you're you know you're, you're you know what your total capacity is. I think with sports, you're going to see maybe some pre and post activities. You'll have maybe tailgating that you kind of consider. So definitely considering um, the timing of, of your event for sports events. Some people show up hours in advance uh, and some show up event start time and uh, having to deal with that uh, inconsistency of, of folks uh, showing up at you know, the lines and, and again, you want to be um, cognizant of uh, queuing and uh, people being in lines and how long they're sure. going to be in, in lines because, again, that can lead to uh, disgruntlement and people get a little anxious and upset when they have to wait too long for for lines for entry, whether it's concessions or restrooms. <laughs> uh, yeah. All of that plays a factor in somebody's overall experience, right? Certainly. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it... it it's interesting that you say that, you know, you're really looking at every single event individually and doing a risk assessment on mm-hmm. each, each event becomes its, its own um, risk profile that, that you're looking at. And so another aspect of stadiums, whether it's universities or, or in uh, professional teams and cities, a lot of this blends into the surrounding um, environment. Well, again, if that's on campus or uh, the the urban community around a, a sports stadium, what are some of the challenges that that kind of creates? College campuses, are large footprints, and uh, it it is difficult. It's open access, twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year, um, to ensure the protection of the venue. Uh, every day is, it, I mean, it is a concern. Uh, it is a concern for campus police and uh, athletic departments uh, across the country. Uh, but they ensure that the 
perimeter is, is secure, buildings are secured, um, uh, and and a lot of venues are uh, sweeped before a sport event does occur. Um, so I, I think that's 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 an important point that you just made. Um, I think whether you're in a city or you're on a campus uh, and it blends into the larger footprint, it's going to be really important for you to um, have a working partnership with your local public safety agencies. Um, they can also feed into your uh, risk assessment um, information as in like what what is happening in the local community. What are the crime patterns? What are, what are right. the things that you uh, you need to be um, need to be aware of? Okay, so you you really focus on three pillars: research, training, education, as well as outreach. As a leader uh, in sports uh, entertainment security, what are some of the most innovative solutions that you've seen come out of NCS four over the years? Well, thanks for bringing up all, all of those three pillars. I think I've highlighted pretty much a lot of the art training and educational. On the research side, we have started to produce industry research reports, um, two specifically, one on spectator perceptions of safety and security, where we're trying to gauge their level of uh, safety and their considerations that uh, they are uh, making, why, whether they're uh, deciding to attend an event, whether they feel safe at the event, how was their experience from the moment they purchased the ticket to traveling to the game to being inside the venue and exiting, uh, were there any issues or concerns that they uh, encountered? Um, what, what Are there other things that family management could be doing to help improve uh, their experience? So that research coming out and that uh, evidence-based data we share with venue directors so they can take that into consideration. The other report, um, just last year, we produced a venue director security survey where we were asking venue directors uh, of all the professional leagues here in North America, uh, what were some of their challenges? What were some of the industry trends? What technologies were they using? Uh, what technologies would they like to use if budgets um, uh, permitted? So again, gathering that information, we're just trying to provide them with with the data so they can help them make decisions or improve um, uh, operations. Right. So uh, we've talked about a number of different uh, technologies, and obviously data is increasingly important to every industry. Um, and most of these these um, countermeasure uh, electronics and equipment that you use are all producing just copious, a lot of different data. You brought up earlier cybersecurity. Um, how, how important is that to venues today in protecting both, you know, their, their, their customers, the fans, as well as staff and players? Uh, very important. Um, nearly all professional leagues now um, and teams um, have a cyber defense team. Um, there's been a lot of examples of um, cyber and intrusion. Um, we've been fortunate we don't have cybersecurity expertise on staff, but we we've collaborated with the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency uh, under the umbrella of DHS to develop a stadium cybersecurity considerations guide. It's uh, a really nifty little info infographic. The things that you know need to be considered with stadiums today is you know that that this convergence of physical and cyber um, security. 
you know, video boards, public address announcements, the lightning controls, the point of sale systems, what your communication systems, the CCTV. Uh, even if let's say your uh, your team's using um, uh, unmanned aircraft system like a drone to help uh, on the defensive side, where you're trying to get an aerial view of what things are going on, or using it to communicate messages to the crowds, you know that also uh, could be intercepted. So uh, it again, we're we're just trying to provide as much education um, to uh, to the end user on. Um, to encourage them to use resources that are available to them. Great, great. So shifting gears a little bit, you um, are a professor and actively teaching sports management uh, curriculum. So has uh, a student ever come up with an innovative idea or, um, well, I'm sure they have, but uh, can you think of any <laughs> that... Uh, <laughs> Let's hope, right? Oh, oh, <laughs> There's always lots of discussion. Uh, it, there's always it, lots it, of discussion. There's always lots of uh, legal yeah. discussion over privacy issues and, you know, getting into facial sure. recognition. And, you know, that that's one of the things I think, you know, is, is coming down the road. Uh, and, and I know I know there's a difference there. There's face, facial authentication and validation, right? And then there's facial recognition. And uh, I think it's trying to educate the population, especially sports spectators, that if you want a seamless uh, entry, you know, Facial authentication is is the way to go in 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 the future. So, so I, from like a from a access control perspective, or and yes. maybe even patron screening, right? Yes, exactly. Um, okay. I think that is uh, just going to become commonplace. I think that's definitely coming down the road. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, what about predictions? Uh, any predictions or emerging technologies that you're that you're tracking right now um, that you think will have a a big impact? Yeah, I, I think technologies just in general that offer that seamless experience to the fan, where you know it's yeah, maybe their ticket is their face, and they don't have to touch anything to purchase merchandise or concessions. And uh, I think those technologies also uh, the Technologies that will deepen their engagement while they're at uh, the, the venue, whether it's more uh, immersive experiences. I know a lot of fans, um, they want those virtual engagement opportunities, whether it's virtual stadium tours, whether they can do virtual meetups, uh, even virtual shopping. Um, I, I think uh, that those are going to be important. And, and those are all centered around the actual fan experience. They, they want more touch points while they're at the venue sports statistics um thing i would i, I would definitely things of things of that nature I, i've learned a, an incredible amount uh on on this uh, uh on our on our talk today and i really really appreciate uh, your time and uh we're we're happy to have you uh on connect and uh, look forward to maybe talking to you again uh, sometime in the future I'm Scott Dunn. I'm James Marcella. Thanks for joining us on Connect, an Access Communications podcast.